0: Today's conversation is with Megan Smith, an old friend and the former CTO of the United States. Hey, so Megan. How are you?
1: Hello, Joey. It's awesome to see you. Oh,
0: um,
1: we have a longstanding I friendship had, so, so, that so, so, like, so, people may not know. So we,
0: well, well, first, why don't you describe w- what you have done and what you did and what you do? And then so we
1: can. I just, uh, I've most recently been the third United States Chief Technology Officer. and. Uh, uh, Assistant to the President under President Obama. Um, I was there as the third person in that role, so about two and a half years in government. And uh, we really focused on three things. President Obama added this role. Um, so the he, reason he why added he added, role, added it okay, right at yeah, the beginning, he yeah. added it at the beginning, and we sat together. It, it's in the Office of Science Technology Policy, which is part of that inner. Um, team that the president had, like people are hearing a lot right now about the National Security Council, or Domestic Policy Council, National Economic Council. Mm-hmm. This is the Office of Science Technology Policy. Uh, it's a council like those, and it provides science and tech advice to the president um, and, and work really closely with all the agencies mm-hmm. on not only science and technology policy around things like NASA and 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 the National Institute of Health and Mm -hmm. sort of the real technical things, um, but also technology as it applies to any policy. So being that that teammate kind of like the surgeon general you know for medicine is there somebody after you yeah so there'll be people after us so uh they haven't appointed the science advisor yet they haven't appointed the cto but they they uh they are planning to do that as as far as we know and so dr john holdren was the science advisor and he was actually there for eight years he's the longest standing science advisor um he's amazing he had accepted the uh Nobel Prize for Senior Pugwash on Nuclear Disarmament, a climate expert, just, and Nick Randwood's Hole, also has MIT background with yeah, us.
2: Yeah. There's and a the long standing,
1: yeah, exactly, so just amazing. Um, and so we joined him and those are two jobs they report both into the president. So the focus of the CTO job was much more around sort of digital tech uh, entrepreneur disruptor. Mm-hmm. So how are you building capability and bringing tech policy? And I always called it like, I came up with this phrase TQ, like IQ and EQ, you know, management, any EQ. You know, Lorraine Jobs has the work she's doing with Next Generation High Schools on XQ, all these skills we should have. And um, the president really wanted more tech skill, Mm -hmm. especially coming off the 2008 campaign. With all the data mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. So we focus on three areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of policy work. So Alex McGilvery, Ed Felton, mm-hmm. others came to government this in the Amazing team, team, amazing team. Yeah. It's such an all-star yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, Corey Zarek. So the team, that group was very much focused on, you know, net neutrality. Uh, we focus on encryption, broadband, open source for the federal mm-hmm. government, mm-hmm. lots of, like a whole world cloud, word cloud of stuff. Mm-hmm. Second book, it was capacity building in two parts. The second was sort of capacity building the government. Mm -hmm. So Todd Park, who was CTO before me, had already begun with the president. Things like that Entrepreneur in Residence program, which is called the Presidential Innovation Fellows, the PIFs. And a new class is just Mm -hmm. about to start, which Mm -hmm. is great. Uh, The United States Digital Service. The team at the Central General Services Administration that does Mm -hmm. tech transformation. So 18F is that Mm -hmm. team. They actually have offices all around, but um, really Sort of like the USDS team might go in like the Navy SEALs, fixing mm-hmm. presidential priorities, uh, all in the agencies, but centrally in the president's team. And then this other team can kind of come in with mm-hmm. a big groundswell of supporting the federals, mm-hmm. all the different CIOs in the agencies to upgrade and modernize, you know, Pony Express to Telegraph, in uh, service delivery and also approach. Mm-hmm. And then the third area was capacity build American people, mm-hmm. which had to do with things like computer science for all and tech hire and mm-hmm. lots of stuff like that. So we got it, many things done and we're amazing people.
0: And, and some of the programs hopefully will stay. I mean, I think like the pres- Presidential Innovation Fellows seems like an obviously good thing. It yeah. has nothing to do with politics, right?
1: That's right. You know, and in fact, everything we structured was done. More as a like a a term of service, like mm-hmm. the military does, and it 's not partisan mm-hmm. um, you know President Kennedy created the Peace Corps or President Johnson had created the White House Fellows, which is also a rotational mm-hmm. one year talent uh, pool so this this presidential innovation po- uh, fellow program actually President Obama Obama's the last uh, bill that he signed mm-hmm. right as he was going on the stage for the inauguration. He signed that that morning on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and it was completely bipartisan. It went incredibly fast through Congress. Everyone mm-hmm. supported yeah, it. So, so, so anyone out there who wants to come serve your country mm-hmm. in the United States or others, there's these positions now, mm-hmm. and it's really important that we do it.
0: I, I was I, I met a lot of them, and I met the president's innovation fellows when they came to Media Lab, but it, it was really, really cool how the idea of you know, coming from Silicon Valley for a year or however long your tour of duty is to to serve, and the amount of impact that you know even one person can have on a on a system um, is tremendous. And, I, and it yeah, feels it's like it feels like the Peace Corps, right? Because they're recruiting mm-hmm. others, and it's mm-hmm. becoming a real thing. And it's just and, and 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 just and everything from you know data science mm-hmm. to coding to you know it's a, so and it's just pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, and and, and the range also, the, the range is, it's an entrepreneur in residence, and it's, it's all different kinds of people are coming to serve. Some have built extraordinary companies, that are more se- they're more, it reminds me of the MIT Media Lab Director fellas, you know, you have a very senior, more up and comer, a range of talent. Some people are more like, kind of a design thinker, user interface design, and they're doing systemic change. There is a team working on culture in the FBI. Fabulous mm-hmm. work. Some are more data science. Uh, a lot of what became DJ Patil's job yeah. when he joined as US Chief Data Scientist, the precursor work mm-hmm. to that had come out of presidential innovation Fellows. In fact, one of them who did blue button work mm-hmm. at uh, Health and Human Services, really mm-hmm. getting your personal health data available to you, mm-hmm. that was a, a catalytic product, mm-hmm. project out of the PIS, Ryan Patshad Saram, mm-hmm. who's now at Kleiner. Um, did that work and then came into the CTO team as, as, as deputy CTO and led a lot of digital government efforts. So yeah whether it's uh, service delivery, building new websites, uh, there was a t- uh, this uh, Sarah was in the uh, Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. I mean what an amazing thing work on the history mm-hmm. uh, all this archival stuff and the APIs for Smithsonian so people can build you know, extraordinary stuff on top, mm-hmm. like on our phones, you know, that we have our mapping, yeah. but on top of Department of Education or whatever.
0: So can we go back really far on sure. Because like <laughs> it's like, I remember I first met you, I think at Apple Japan, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and we had, like, I don't know if you remember, Hypercar but we had to something. go, yeah, so you, Somebody, like, no one knew so what the web was, was, was or any of these like things. It but was we in the 80s,
0: right?
1: In in the 80s, in, like, early, early 90s, 80s, so early 90s, 1990, 80s. I think. Yeah. Okay. And that was when you were doing stuff like the well and other things. And you, we had to go, I don't know if you remember this, we had to go to the German consulate. <laughs> and I had to present... Apple Link and kind of what became yeah, yeah. those online services um, and eventually turned into and the internet, you And you had just graduated
0: the from the Media Lab. Yeah. Right, right. And
1: Hans-Peter Braunmo, oh, who's great, right. yeah. uh, had been at Apple Japan, and Nicholas yeah. knew about this work. And I had, it's actually funny because I had taken a lot of Spanish, and I said, Nicholas, I want to go work overseas. I want to go where um, people are speaking Spanish because I've been taking. He's like, okay, great. How about Tokyo? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: so, like, very uh, yeah, yeah. so but and I went for a year and then I stayed. I stayed for an extra year, it was supposed to be a, one of these one year tour mm-hmm. things. But uh and it was, you know, as you know before the internet as we know it, mm-hmm. but a lot of people were online. Yeah. In yeah. that's right. both It was services the Apple Link thing. and yeah. Apple And we were it's a lot of hypercard and multimedia and really hypercard in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Most people won't remember it, but it was extraordinary web like Mm-hmm. authoring environment and yep. we were doing digital media and yeah. uh, I worked with a fabulous guy named Anzai Sun there who's a, yeah, a pioneer. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah.
0: And, then, and then what did you, you, you went back to, you went, to, did you become an entrepreneur after that?
1: Yeah, well, I was, yeah, so what happened, I actually, my original history is I was, wanted to work on green energy. Mm-hmm. And when I was a That's kid. That's right, your,
0: your, your solar car was.
1: Yeah, right? which was early. So, so, during the carter time uh, carter was putting solar panels on the white house we had mandatory science fair which is part of like mm-hmm. part of the things we were working on the white house is active stem like you and i came into this world because we did it like, mm-hmm. practice makes permanent and if it's fun and it's more like art class music class and you're doing it it makes a big difference so um i got to do all these science fair projects as it was required and so we found out how fun this stuff is mm-hmm. and that it has impact and mm-hmm. that we could do it so I worked on a lot of alternative energy projects, windmills and solar powered and phase shade storage and lots mm-hmm. of high school projects. Um, and that got me into the tech world. And so I went to MIT Mechanical Engineering yep. undergrad yep. with Woody Flowers. Yep. and And then eventually found my way to the Media Lab because as That's Reagan right. came into power, the money for that dried up. Ellie Sachs, who invented the 3D printer,
2: yeah.
1: um, was also going to work on green energy. Like everybody was tracking, and then the brakes yeah. went on, and everybody sort of moved to other places. Him to manufacturing. Th- th- There's he actually to a great video
0: of you called Megan in Motion. Oh, yeah. back. I'll post it on this Facebook thing later. It's were, that was. Were you working with Seymour or something?
1: Yeah. So I used to. There were a couple of us from mechanical engineering threaded into the lab because mm-hmm. it's always cross functional, and. Uh, Tim McConnell was there, who went on to do all kinds of stuff with drones recently and sort of flying with, with Chris Anderson, that platform. Um, but the teams that were ne- near us were doing all what became Lego Mindstorms. Mm-hmm. And so Mitch um, and Adit Harrell, mm-hmm. all of that team, Seymour's team was there, and my mom taught preschool uh,
2: oh, and really? kindergarten.
1: So yeah. I always track on early education yeah, yeah. And as a mechanical engineer. So I would help them. and. It was really important to us, which that work continues now. That if we're walking in a classroom, Mm -hmm. the children only know what they know. If we show up, you know, with all different people mm-hmm. so we wanted to make sure that men and women were both showing up mm-hmm. uh, as mentors as we mm-hmm. were doing projects with them so I would go with them a lot and that yep. somebody had a camera on and that's how well, that video And we got just
0: made. you know we unfortunately lost Seymour last year mm-hmm. but we had a memorial sort of retrospective but it turned into a celebration and what was interesting and and, and Nicholas talked about this during his presentation was those period that period back you know when seymour was active yeah. we all believed that by now we would have computers everywhere computers would be people would be learning to code to be creative right but instead we have you know and even the coding the that the consumer it's kind of consumer culture about it yeah. and, and i think it's okay that coding is vocational but it's 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 less sort of imagination and more sort of becoming a cog in a programming environment rather than sort of this more sort wings, of wings. Yeah. yeah and and I don't know if you, if you if you if you if you sense that and what you think about that
1: I think it's really important I often think uh, you know we talk about computer science it's a couple different things like why aren't we teaching everybody this uh, in the Seymour spirit and uh, Nicholas and the idea as you know as you know, coding to learn Mm -hmm. as a way of thinking. We did some work with the president on the, when you were in the Wired magazine. So when he edited Wired, you guys did the AI Mm -hmm. conversation. We went to Pittsburgh um, looking at all the different frontiers, just really a summary event of, President Science Advisor often says President Obama was almost like the most science fast forward president since Jefferson, mm-hmm. right? So just an extraordinary body of work. He said on the stage, and, and this is something we really think and resonate with, you know, what's our we need people to have computational thinking as much as critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And when everyone in the twenty first century have all of I sometimes call it play the whole orchestra. Mm-hmm. You want to have all of these skills. And we have this weird stereotyping mm-hmm. in our culture that there's technical people mm-hmm and not technical people. And there's a whole bunch of stuff coming at us, but you wouldn't graduate from high school and say, Oh yeah, reading wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. But all day long, you know, math and science are mentioned as something, oh, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But I, that's why I brought some of this stuff. So, um, you know, it's raspberry Pi, yep. as you know. Yep. You know, and a lot of people don't realize, like, there's just a board in your cell phone, and if mm-hmm. you happen to be able to have it, you know, out, it would have, you know, the power supply and the brain, basically, main mm-hmm. chips, um, sound, et cetera. And so I love that, um like the second grade from second grade onwards in mm-hmm. uh, the UK, they're teaching
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: just give the kids the pie. They give them a screen, they have lights and they start doing and playing. And so I feel like it's, if you can kind of come through art mm-hmm. and play mm-hmm. as we know, yep. this is a really cool little uh, Osbot thing. It's a little toy and you can see it, which is great. You can dress it up, but you hold it up um, and he, this is the programming for it, Okay. so it's optically, so you can lay out tracks and hold it up to your computer and get mm-hmm. more programs, and it's just, it reminds me of like, you Where know, is we this have, from? it's a, it's this group, Oz- Ozobot, I guess, yeah. and I just came across it, because I'm always looking for interactive, fun, yeah. tech toys that are approachable, um, I just, uh, I just got the both speakers that are DIY. Mm-hmm. And it comes with a kit, the glasses open, like those watches when you were a kid and you could see the back. Mm-hmm. And it shows here's the Bluetooth, here's power supply, mm-hmm. here's this. And it has a little wave thing where you can play around with the sound wave. So how do we kind of break mm-hmm. tech into a much more accessible thing mm-hmm. where you onboard at school, mm-hmm. you play with it. It's not some distant piece. And coding is a part of the language of that, right? Yep. Yep. Of of playing that. So Making sure that we're, uh, you know, making this stuff incredibly approachable. You know, we teach freshman biology. Yeah. Not because we think everybody's going to be a biologist, but because understanding ecosystems, your body, your family, like how this works mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. being part of being human. And so in this century, certainly with the digital world, having that is critical.
0: Mm-hmm. I was just remembering, sorry, I'm going to pivot. Yeah. Um, I think I first saw this in, at Cambridge University with you.
1: Oh, yeah, when we were at When
0: we were there, and, and that there. trip was when you asked me if I wanted to become the director of the Media Lab. Do you remember when we were trundling <laughs> in, in, the, in, in a <laughs> little t- van?
1: Yeah. I'm, like, holding my computer. Nicholas is texting me about, you know, the, me, the search, and I looked at you, I'm like, Nicholas, Joey should be the Media Lab director. And I'm like, Joey, would you ever be the Media Lab director? And you're like, do I have to live in Boston? And I said, yeah. And you're like, okay, I'll think about it. And were, it was just starting to crystallize in your mind. And, that's, so and then that's, he was like, yes!
0: And, that, and that's very typical Megan Smith's, right? It's sort of... Like <laughs> Connect the dots. The uh, but yeah, that, it worked out yeah. well, I think. Yeah,
1: I, I was, it's like uh, the sixth sense, I see talent. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that's something really that sort of goes with this. It's yeah. like talent is everywhere. Mm-hmm. We have seven billion-plus talented people. Um, I keep this image in my mind of the story of this, this wonderful kid. Um, we were in Afghanistan. And uh, this one security guy uh, said that whenever they were landing into Kandahar, this kid would run out of his house and lie on his roof. And he's like, does he like planes? What's the story? And so they, one time he was near there, so he just went to stop by. The kid was running out of his house to lie on the solar panel so it wouldn't break. Wow. Right? Yeah, it takes your breath away. That is so amazing, you know, And, and so work I've worked a lot with Malala Yousafzai, side that yeah. you know, we talk about the children on rubbish mountain, they have phones and they're collecting, mm-hmm. you know, garbage mm-hmm. to, to make money, you know, and, and recycle in that way. How do we make sure everybody gets the creative confidence? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I think Seymour and Nicholas were driving from and we got to have from those who raised us. Yep. Yep. And and you know, how can people feel creative confidence not just in the critical thinking and reading in that area but in all of you know what the universe has to offer we were we were just looking um thinking a little bit about one of the best math teachers on the web is a woman named vi Hart, v-i h-e-r-t look her up mm-hmm. she's uh she's she look up spirals and she does this fabulous fun video work where she um she just shows you how fibonacci and mathematics are in nature and in the things like she has a pineapple and she's showing you patterns and she's Mm -hmm. showing you Mm -hmm. how leaves are patterned and it's the same ratios as you know the Greeks and the Mm -hmm. best architecture here we are in New York City and our architecture around us is based on these same mathematical Mm -hmm. formulas that we've discerned which really are coming straight out of nature
0: and that was always my problem with the the educational system that I had where I had these great uh, inspirational people that would talk to you about the beauty of science or mathematics, mm-hmm. but then when you ended up in some of the traditional educational systems, they were sort of designed for a particular way of learning and some yeah. kids would make it through and some kids didn't. You know, And it, I think that I agree with you that there aren't sort of technical, non-technical, and, and, and you know some kids, like for me, I, I, when I was a kid, I was like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not good at math. But now in retrospect, I think what it was is just, I'm not a textbook kid, I'm more of a sort of conversation kid, you know, right. and I think people have different ways of learning, and I feel like one of the problems in addition to the, um, and we talked about this in this, I had a conversation with my sister last time, mm-hmm. so, about sort of the different modes of learning, mm-hmm. and so there's definitely sort of a, a, a diversity of backgrounds and what brings people in, about what they get inspired about, and there's also kind of how you, how you teach, and it feels like you know, the, the, the other sort of wonderful thing about um, what Seymour and sort of the, 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 you know, the, the, the experiential learning is mm-hmm. to try to tune into who the, who the kids are and how they learn. And I feel like that the, the, the method of delivery of the knowledge right now also is, is, is still not... It's a not, production
1: factory, yeah. you know, and, and we don't, what's great is we have these tools and we don't have to do it that way anymore. And the good news is there's such heroic master teachers mm-hmm. all throughout the educational system. One of the ways that we were able to make extraordinary change in general on the topics we were working on in government was a, an approach called Scout mm-hmm. and Scale. And it's a lot like a venture capitalist. Uh, uh, you know, the funders don't think of the companies, they find the entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And so if you think of, instead of trying to be the parent as a government, you know, I'm gonna mm-hmm. parent this, Instead, go scouting. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's already fixed this extraordinary thing? So, can't, what master teachers are there, mm-hmm. and how might they be almost like the seed round of a mm-hmm. company, mm-hmm. where they you get them working together, and you s- reveal mm-hmm. um, using whatever techniques, uh, and and those master teachers are figuring how to meet the standards mm-hmm. but using different kinds of approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody, and you having heard in, about that, yeah. will copy them. There's a group of people who will copy. And, and They're is, like, you're doing that? Tell me how. Is that inside and then that becomes the, a thing.
0: the formal education system or is that outside? I think
1: it has to be both and mm-hmm. I think it has to be inside mm-hmm. because we have all those hours in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, And so uh, someone like Esther Wojcicki, one mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm, most mm-hmm, extraordinary yep. teachers in the country, teaching sort of basically English but journalism. Mm-hmm. And so it, today her students, their writing... And they're doing critical thinking. Uh, so, and they're really, but they're reading and writing the web. Mm-hmm. You know, from ninth grade onwards, she can teach 120 kids at once because mm-hmm. she's sort of flipped the classroom. She's she's coaching teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids are very collaborative, mm-hmm. which is also a big 21st century. Sc- it's always mm-hmm. been a skill yeah, to yeah. collaborate and team up. But we want to. I think education can shift from being such a individualistic thing to groups mm-hmm. of people where everybody's you know elbows to mm-hmm. rise and adapt to the kid. And,
0: and, and explain to me how you do it sort of top down, but not top down. Because, like, cause I'll give you an you, example yeah, of when yeah, we yeah. did
1: Injustice. Yeah. So, uh, this was extraordinary to find some of the things people had solved. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we have very complex challenges in criminal justice and policing um, just uh, heroic police officers um, and, and people who have extraordinary conscious bias, people facing great discrimination, this whole range of, of challenges. Two different things happened. One was that the Presidential Innovation Fellows, mm-hmm. our entrepreneurs in residence, two of them, Clarence and Denise, had great experience with open data. Mm-hmm. And so one of the trajectories was just open data and transparency in policing. So they knew that Dallas, for example, was opening 12 years of officer involved shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, these data sets, use of force data, all these data sets that are out there, traffic stops, mm-hmm. um, hate crimes. This is not personal stories, this is general public data. And it does become public, but it kind of rolls up across a couple months and then eventually is in a report and it's Mm a PDF. Mm -hmm. And you have stats and you have quant and you have people analyzing it, but the community doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. So Dallas is like, this belongs to the public. And so the leadership was amazing there. Also Los Angeles, similar. Mm Um, So this open data. So that became the police data initiative. Mm -hmm. And now there's over 100 jurisdictions around the country who have committed to opening their data, and they're doing that. And then they also commit to community engagement. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a fabulous moment in New Orleans Mm -hmm. where some of the kids from Operation Spark, high schoolers, um, who are doing coding and digital things, together with the police department and others from the community and the hacker community, really working on this problem Mm -hmm. together. Um, And uh, recently, they were with a judge who was like, this is miraculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, really incredible results around transparency and change. When you have the data, you can see. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other part was called data-driven justice, which is more of an enterprise data Mm -hmm. place. So if you look at a city, you have the the jail data, who's hitting, who's homelessness-related things, foster care, challenges people are having, health care. You start to notice that certain people are really struggling, and they may be hitting in substance abuse, and they may be hitting uh, uh, different kinds of uh, disturbances, et cetera. And you can put that together and see that. Camden, New Jersey, saw that 205 people were really their kind of almost super utilizers. Mm -hmm. And they were uh, basically 70% of the money was going to the smaller group of people. And there was a different way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so they figured that out and dropped their cost to like 20% and really solved problems. When you say they...
0: Who was the...
1: It depends the different actors. Sometimes someone catalyzes it. But in this case, it, it was the police leadership with the city. In Miami... They just felt like, you know, the largest mental health institutions in our country are really are prisons and jails. Mm-hmm. And that's not a really effective way to treat people who are struggling in those ways. So Miami opened a 12-bed stabilization unit in the hospital. So they trained the officers, 911, everybody. In addition to, if you find someone in this situation, in addition to taking them to jail, take them to the ER, you can bring them here. Mm-hmm. Across about four years, 50,000 inbound calls turned into um, I think 109 arrests only. Mm -hmm. So they went from 7,000 people in prison to 4,900 and closed a jail. Mm -hmm. This is incredible results, Mm -hmm. spending far less money. And also, when somebody goes into the criminal justice system, their whole family, their children will be in foster care. It's -hmm. it's massive ripple effects Mm -hmm. um, and recidivism. So it just was an amazing solution. So what we did, back to the same idea as like seed stage, Mm -hmm. we brought the leadership together who had done that. Mm-hmm. And to the White House, and then they did almost like TED style lightning talk about what they did. That was the beginning of the day. And then those who were interested from other jurisdictions joined for that first meeting and kind of workshopped it. And then by the end of the day, for example, in the police data initiative, there's a great poster of like people's sticky notes like, I'll open these data sets, we'll start. And now they talk every two weeks as a community of practice like we do mm-hmm. you know in the tech world. Uh, really sharing what they're learning. Mm-hmm. And there's great local ecosystem leadership and then national cross-federated like federated leadership, both in the enterprise side and the data-driven justice police data initiative. The other one we did that with tech hire. You know, 35 coal miners just graduated from Code Boot Camp in eastern Kentucky. That's a tech hire community. Mm-hmm. It's a great article today about from the Mississippi Delta, also a tech hire community. It's not the only thing in economic development those groups are doing, but people are really... I think of it like a great barn raising. Mm -hmm. You really have much of the resource you need in your region if people knew each other. Mm -hmm. You know, our crew is off in our Burning Man, TEDx, whatever (laughs) meetup, and no one knows about it. (laughs) The president went (laughs) to. I haven't been to Burning Man, but I love Burning Man. Uh, But South By, it's called the South By crew. The president was going to Boise, Idaho, and we wondered how many tech meetups are there here. There were 15. One of them had 800 people in it. Most people in Boise might not know about that, but they would love these fun, dynamic jobs
2: mm-hmm.
1: and entrepreneurial experiences with the topic they're passionate about, using these tools on that, if they could know about it. So let's all meet each other in these cities. So
0: ever since I've known you, you've always been optimistic, mm-hmm. and I'm, are you still optimistic broadly?
1: Yes. I'm, <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's the only way I could be. Uh, but it's a challenging time. Uh, we were in the open government partnership meetings in, uh, in Cape Town. And open government partnership is an extraordinary thing that President Obama started with eight other leaders. Now there's 70 countries in this. It includes the countries, kind of like we're near the UN, and my colleague Susan is here from the non-government liaison service, um, the countries. And then the civil society organizations meet equally in this open government partnership and and collaborate. And they do national action plans. We have one for the United States. Uh, And the civic techies have shown up. And so in the annual meeting in Paris this year, there was uh, 300 people from 70 countries in the palace. Uh, The president of France came to each table when he got home doing a hackathon on civil code for all of us, mm-hmm. you know, the Jakarta team, you know, from Indonesia, the teams from Mexico City, The there were people who had come from Pakistan. This is kind of the techie digital crew from all these mm-hmm. countries mm-hmm. are coming into government in this service way, whether they're coming through APIs and sort of mm-hmm. through through open data and, and app making or solutions or as students or as professionals. Um, or volunteer or whether they're coming with their time mm-hmm. you know in the various seats that the countries have open, it's a real thing mm-hmm. and it feels to me it also just a side note I mean this is where the civil code of you know the France and Napoleon so here mm-hmm. we're coding the civil code mm-hmm. in the palace um, but at the same time, there was a ministerial mm-hmm. of terrific ministers, but it was four hours of
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: going around the room talking, and you want some of that, but it would have been great if they had come
2: mm-hmm.
1: and experienced the other ways to yep. do stuff. But that's starting, and so I'm hopeful about that, even though just extraordinarily difficult Mm -hmm. times right now with some of the racism and sexism and uh, behaviors that are around.
0: It's interesting. Um, First of all, you're on our advisory council at the Media Lab and you're on our visiting committee. And for people who don't know, the visiting committee is this thing that MIT does where every two years the visiting committee gets together and they ask questions and they basically do a report card. And it's
1: one of the coolest things that MIT has is, for governance. It's, it's, it's just to help the leadership yep. of each department have a, a set of, like a board, sort of a teammate board.
0: And and, and it's usually really good advice. It's very mm-hmm. constructive. And, and for two meetings in a row, you guys just beat the Media Lab up on diversity, because that mm-hmm. was the one thing that we didn't do anything about. Well we tried but wasn't okay. we didn't get you results. You guys are
1: similar to yeah. most organizations. But
0: but but after you disappeared yep. into government we hired Monica who's amazing and we have over 40 around 45% Incoming women this year, which is the highest we've Yay! ever had. Um, we still have a problem with minorities. And we're working on that, but but you know, and Monica and, and Monica makes me look because it was her. She's she's like this this movie Hidden Figures is going to be pretty cool, and and it's and, one of
1: the most important movies. Yeah,
0: and and so of all so, so you know so she sort of poked me and we rented out a, a movie theater and we invited all of Senior House and Media Lab to go Great. and it was the whole thing. But but it, it feels like you know we're slowly making progress. I mean mm-hmm. we're still not there. Um, and then one of the other things that we did, when, one of the things I was concerned about was that even though faculty as individuals sort of went out and did things, it still Media Lab still felt like a container <laughs> rather than a, a platform. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, I think that that one of the uh, Cool, cool thing that we're doing is that I think it's becoming a network and a platform. And so it's yes. kind of neat timing, because when you were at in the White House, you weren't allowed to officially engage with us. Yeah, you have to, us, the, you know. the
1: law is you step off of the different boards. And actually, I'm a life member of the MIT Corporation now, and uh, which is the corporate board, mm-hmm. and so that's how I'm on that committee. But um, And so I just sort of stepped off and only did MIT things in my mm-hmm. personal capacity. But um, it's an important thing in government that we have that role, because it, yeah. it, it's... Uh, important to not favor things. But it's, an, it's a really interesting time in terms of inclusion. I actually think, uh, sometimes I think include everyone,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they'll work on the things they're passionate about, and we'll fix everything. Mm-hmm. And it's not we'll fix things and then include people. Right, if you right. include people, the breadth of human capacity is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people, so in, a friend of mine once said that she felt that the lack of diversity in tech was a mass protest. And I thought that was a really yeah. interesting framing. And, and then I thought about some of the times when I've been in rooms where the. I went, I, an amazing uh, trainer in uh, diversity was doing some work in the White House. And she brought up this word style compliance. And I hadn't sort of thought about it, but like we comply to the rules mm-hmm. of the room we're in. Mm-hmm. And I think that the rules of the tech room are there's a lot of in, intellectual combat. Uh, both from venture capitalists and from uh, different teammates in tech, and academic tech. Um, And I don't think people mean it because they're just like being uh, straight up with whatever their point is. But this woman had a really interesting saying. She's, it's a woman who wrote, her name is Laura Liswood and she wrote a book called The Loudest Duck. And she said, whatever grandma and grandpa told you is what you think you should do. So let's say that grandma and grandpa said, squeaky wheel gets the grease right? So that's what you do. Uh, maybe grandma and grandpa, you were in Japan and grandma and grandpa reminded you that the nail that stands up will be hammered down. Mm-hmm. So are like, okay. So you got that. Maybe you were in China and there's an expression there, the loudest duck will be shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe you were a woman on the planet or a girl. And so grandma and grandpa said, if you don't have something nice to say, don't speak.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and so she says, you walk in a room and you have a wheel, a nail, a duck, <laughs> and a nice. And the wheel's talking, no one's talking, like, what do you do? And how do you get them to start communicating with each other in the cultural way
2: mm-hmm. that
1: probably feels relatively uncomfortable, the, all four of them, mm-hmm. but not make everyone bend to one of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what's going on in the tech world. We're all bending into this one way of doing that is dominant. And, and I'm sure that, um, and I like her use of this wheel, duck, nail, whatever, because it's not it is about gender and race but it's not it's about just the cultural style that has evolved in particular rooms mm-hmm. like i think cheryl's book is extraordinary about lean in and Kara says lean in and fall over but uh, <laughs> I think lean in and then upgrade mm-hmm. right upgrade our culture you know a great example to me is like don't cry at work why why shouldn't you cry at work mm-hmm. in fact i was just watching an amazing film of the elders and there was desmond tutu speaking and crying mm-hmm. like He's done some of those profound stuff and he cries and he laughs and there's also let's be g- like a that. great
0: picture apparently of, of Desmond Tutu and um, and I think it was the Dalai Lama at some I think it was a Nobel Peace Prize thing where everybody's very serious and the two of them are sticking their tongues out at each other, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I but I think it's
1: Which a big, is a style compliance thing, yeah, right? Yeah, they are yeah. not complying. They're being human in yeah. a way that is really great uh, leadership. Yeah. And so helping our leaders um, Which you're doing with Monica, and and if if like if a leader doesn't know, yeah, like she's (laughs) leading us uh, in that, and she just uh, some of the work that she's done was, a lot of times there's plenty of people, the networks are disconnected, Mm -hmm. and so it was one of the things we will do with the U.S. Digital Service, uh, Todd Park, Mm -hmm. uh, Jennifer Anastasov, incredible Mm -hmm. leader and talent, just. O- organizing to go all across the country to find presidential innovation fellows, CTO team, mm-hmm. others who are from everywhere. And so uh, that team is gender balanced. Mm-hmm. It um, has lots of people of color in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and really paying attention to finding mm-hmm. the extraordinary talent that the country has to serve the country, everybody in. And we know from research that it makes just better products, results, whatever.
0: Am I allowed to ask you what your Planning on doing?
1: Yeah, I you know we just we just finished. It's like sort of like graduation. The next yeah, yeah. group comes. Um, it was amazing to work with this team, and I I uh, I th- I felt like um, I learned this whole other sector. I did the MIT commencement a couple years ago, and mm-hmm. I was talking to them about how it's important to go where there's tons of us, mm-hmm. and we advance the field. You know, the MIT spaces, Silicon Valley, Austin, Boston these kind of intense. Uh, you know like the university spaces. At the same time, it's great to go where you're rare because mm-hmm. the town is also deep. Like in government, we just found extraordinary colleagues. They might not, there were technical people, of course, at NASA and NIH and also in the IT teams, but not uh, in the principal rooms mm-hmm. in the places the president put us and Dennis McDonough Chief mm-hmm. of Staff. So I want to continue kind of co-upgrading mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. two, three, four in a box, adding TQ, mm-hmm. tech, tech skills, Uh, thinking methods um, into our hardest problems Mm -hmm. and that's uh, I've I've always loved using technology to solve hard problems to make the world better reduce Mm -hmm. our impact on the planet Mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm going to continue to work on that and Mm -hmm. a lot of the digital 44 as we call sort of the techies who came and friends of are sort of at large doing really interesting things Mm -hmm. so a lot of the work I've been doing is really trying to help accelerate them Almost like sort of a venture kind of venture catalyst, and mm-hmm. teamwork and coaching with them on the extraordinary ideas they have. Uh, I also just the last one is to you know, we, we talked about hidden figures.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What we see on TV is really hurting our economy and hurting our culture. I'll show you a graphic really quickly um, that I think is uh, really useful. It's uh, let me get this up. It's, um, it shows uh, in film. Who gets to speak? Mm-hmm. So there's this fabulous site, polygraph.cool. Anyone online, go to that, and you scroll down and you look for um, film dialogue, mm-hmm. I don't know, camera-wise. If you guys can mm-hmm. see this at all, I might have to put it uh, up closer. But um, graphically, this is children's TV. Boys' lines to girls' lines. I don't know if you can mm-hmm. see. See the yeah. blue? Yeah. Yeah. So boys speak and girls don't when we watch TV. This is happens to be a particular group, but it's any of children's TV. It mm-hmm. Looks like that's fifteen to one boy programmers to girl programmers. Mm-hmm. So when we grow up, they they took two thousand screenplays and mm-hmm. they looked at men's lines to women's lines. Can you mm-hmm. see that? See the blue?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Men's lines to women's lines, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like incredible. So nope.
0: the video just went out. You see that? Oh, we just lost the video. Okay. Um, Other spec,
2: okay.
1: We can we can see that in, but so
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's not okay mm-hmm. because uh, and and it's it's just it's it's unconscious it's in our culture and so whether it's the film Hidden Figures, mm-hmm. which is a pure story just evaporated that we've got back that mm-hmm. is it changes the world. One of mm-hmm. the ones I just came across, you know, have you ever seen the the musical Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so the father is extraordinary. Right? He's the, I'm a mechanical jurist. So mm-hmm. I love mechanical. Juror. You know, he's got the the eggs coming rolling out and this whole group, mm-hmm. Goldberg. Well, it turns out that Orville and Wilbur Wright's mother is an astonishingly talented mechanical person. She was making all kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. And the boys would go to their mom to get coaching huh. on any kind of mechanical thing they we are doing. But when we see that story, no one ever tells that story. No one tells about their little sister who Mm -hmm. was basically kind of their COO Mm
2: -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. uh, and went with them around and you see her in pictures but she looks no one would ever know that story. It's a bit like the ENIAC, if you Mm -hmm. look up Mm -hmm. ENIACprogrammers.org you could see those photos and we discovered that the women were the first programmers in the country, like mm-hmm. that movie Imitation Game. Mm-hmm. So getting these historic stories told mm-hmm. uh, more accurately about that everybody's always been working together the mm-hmm. whole time, even mm-hmm. though there was hierarchy and discrimination, people did this work. Mm-hmm. Um, Valerie Jarrett, worked for the president, was the her great-great-grandfather's the first black graduate at M O N T. He went on to Tuskegee, architect, extraordinary, and you know, a lot of the mind and mm-hmm. hands-on lab teaching mm-hmm. went into Tuskegee and the work that George Washington Carver did to save mm-hmm. the country, I mean, on and on and on. And so, uh, Gloria Steinem and Octavia Spencer were just on stage at the Makers Conference talking mm-hmm. about these mm-hmm. things. And you know, just whether it's the pure story or whether it's the insidious thing. Mm-hmm. So an example would be, you and I know, you know, from Steve Jobs' team. Mm -hmm. Joanna Hoffman, Mm -hmm. who's an MIT grad Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, physics. Totally intense sparring partner Mm -hmm. with Steve. Um, If you look at the photos, if you look up original Macintosh team, Mm -hmm. and you look at the Rolling Stones photos, there's men and women in those, and Mm -hmm. we've talked about that story. But the women don't end up in the cast, Mm -hmm. and the men have speaking roles. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing that? Mm -hmm. Susan Carroll, all the graphics we've seen. The one that happened to Joanna, She's finally in the film, and Kate Winslow's played her. She won the Golden Globe. But her son came out of the film with her and said, "Mom, did you, did you really iron Steve Jobs' shirt?" Yeah. <laughs> I think he asked that because he knows his mom, yeah, yeah and uh, she's like, "No, Jeremy, I never ironed a shirt in my life. It's uh-huh. at once for you when we relate." So you know why?" Who wrote that? Mm-hmm. They didn't mean it, but we've got to help ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I'm, I'm really excited about the work at Media Lab, things that Deb Roy does mm-hmm. and others around sort of analyzing audio and video. And could we actually use face recognition? Mm-hmm. And so that you, after the dailies of filming, we see what bias did we just introduce? So we mm-hmm. could use voice recognition. Uh, we could look at sentiment. Mm-hmm. What are mm-hmm. the characters talking about? Uh, how could we check mm-hmm. our bias? Mm-hmm so we could see like that graphic yeah. I was just I think talking.
0: that's going to be a good use of augmented reality because mm-hmm. I think you don't like people telling you about your biases, but if a machine told you, hey, you just did a biased <laughs> thing or you're about to make a biased decision, right. most people probably want to know. Right? Just some data. Yeah. And
1: then you can make decisions. We can also have a whole research area around how we behave because of it mm-hmm. and then understand what impacts are. I think we're really going to need it, not mm-hmm. only for the stereotyping that we're doing, mm-hmm. On TV, but also around fake news and Mm -hmm. propaganda and Mm -hmm. having the tools that help us see what we're seeing and understanding how it affects us behaviorally Mm -hmm. so that uh, we don't get into weird loops that Mm -hmm. um, are not healthy. Especially after
0: machines and AIs take over and it'll be less under our control. (laughs) You know, um,
1: Tim O'Reilly said we're the microbiome in the Silicon Future. I was like,
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay, we'll be like Whoville and we won't know. So
0: I think we've run out of time, but thanks, Megan, and hope we get to see you more at the Media Lab.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, everybody online. Thanks. Thanks, Joey.